millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. During this call, we will discuss our business outlook and make forward-looking statements. These comments are based on our predictions and expectations as of today. Actual events or results could differ materially due to a number of risks and uncertainties, including those mentioned in our most recent filings with the SEC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host. And on today's episode, we are going to cover Tesla's Q3 2023 earnings call. And I'm going to be honest with you, this was like attending a funeral. It was it was kind of sad. And at one point, Elon got emotional. Um, and and the whole the whole earnings call got off on the wrong foot. Like for a portion of Elon's opening remarks, there was nothing like we couldn't hear anything because elon was on mute and then somewhere throughout the uh the presentation in the middle of the presentation i don't know what happened but they went on mute again for some reason i don't know um so this was not a great earnings call in terms of technical stuff um, i've already been very clear on how i feel about these companies and their audio quality which is terrible uh, when it comes to these things, I mean, if you're going to record them, if you're going to take the time to record them and put them out uh, for investors and nerds like us, then make them sound good. You have that ability. You are a multi-billion-dollar company, but no, this is what this is what we get. So, despite the technical difficulties that they had, we also had some issues with just Elon in general. Elon was very, very pouty. Uh, I know that's. That's maybe not a nice way to um, to describe a grown person, but he was pouty. He was very pouty. And like the news that they gave wasn't bad news, honestly, but it was delivered in such a like a sad, sacky way. They're getting slammed in the EV media about this uh, really off-putting earnings call. Their stock price also took a 10% hit. I don't know if it's recovered at this point or not. But yeah, it's just not a, it just wasn't a good earnings call. And I'm not saying this because what they, and what they talked about on the earnings call wasn't true, or there wasn't any, you know, I'm not expecting it to be sunshine and rainbows. It was just like, it was a very, very down Elon. And like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this yet or not, but he got emotional. And I, I put that part in there. And um, 
I think some of the problems or some of the criticism Tesla's facing in terms of not being able to get Cybertruck out and some other things is based on their communication to the public. But we're going to talk all about that. We have a, a nice long earnings call to get through that. Um, actually, the clips I have only total about 36 minutes. So th this episode won't be too terribly long in terms of earnings call episodes. Now, I do want to say, despite the fact that the earnings call, the live streamed earnings call, had some um, dead space in it in terms of audio, Tesla did release the full audio version of the earnings call on YouTube. So that was really good of them to do. So thank you for Tesla. Thank you to Tesla for doing that. Despite having the full audio to um, reference, I actually cut a, quite a bit of Elon's opening remarks out because they just weren't interesting and it wasn't anything that we didn't already know. Some of the things that he talked about were, you know, the standard opening remarks that he does. He talked about downtime at the factory so they can retool some of the lines. He did say that he thinks that AI will make Tesla the most valuable company in the world. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. He talked a little bit about full self-driving. He said FSD 12 is coming along. He actually said more than that, but in, in reality, it's just they're making progress on it. Um, nothing groundbreaking in this. Uh, he talked about energy storage. It sounded impressive, but I have no idea if what he was talking about is a lot or a little bit, since I'm not really familiar with, with the world of commercial and industrial energy. And then he started talking about Cybertruck. So I'm going to play that clip for you here. The Cybertruck, I know a lot of people are excited about the Cybertruck. Yeah, I am too. I've driven the car. It's an amazing product. Uh, I, I do want to emphasize that there will be uh, enormous challenges in, in reaching volume production with the Cybertruck. Um, and then in making the Cybertruck uh, cash flow positive. This is, this is simply normal for... When, when you've got a, a product with a lot of new technology or any 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 new vehicle brand new vehicle program but especially one that is as different and advanced as the cybertruck uh, you will have problems proportionate to how many new things you're trying to solve at scale so i just want to emphasize that while i think this is potentially our best product ever uh, and I think it is our best product ever. Um, it is going to be require immense work to reach volume production and be cash flow positive at a price that people can afford. Um, often people do not understand what is truly hard. That's why I say prototypes are easy, production is hard. Uh, people think it's the idea or you make a prototype, you, you design a car. And it's not as though designing a car is, is that just anyone can do it. it. It does require taste. It does require effort to design a prototype. But the difficulty of going from a prototype to volume production uh, is like 10,000% harder to get to volume production than to make the prototype in the first place. And then it is even harder than that to reach positive cash flow. I just want to temper expectations for Cybertruck. Um, it's a great product. But financially, it will take, I don't know, a year to 18 months before it is a significant positive cash flow contributor. Uh, I, I wish there was some way to, for that to be different, but that's, uh, that's my best guess. 
to make it. Um, you know, we need to make it at a price that people can afford. Insanely difficult things. And uh, lastly, I wanted to thank uh, all of our employees who are making a lot of extra effort during uncertain times. Thank you very much for your hard work and the impact that you're making. All right. I will say in this instance, Elon was probably his most hinged. He goes off on some tangents in this earnings call. And he did. he's done this a couple of times. He did it really bad when Model 3 was kind of, you know, production hell was at its peak. And he just lashed out at a bunch of, of analysts that were for asking stupid questions, in his opinion. So as far as Cybertruck goes, Tesla has pushed the Cybertruck delivery date to November 30th, 2023. Now, who knows if Cybertruck will actually be delivered on that day or not, and they'll maybe they'll need to push it again to January 30th, 2023. I don't know. I'm guessing we will see a delivery uh, between 5 and 15 trucks in 2023. Maybe maybe 25 trucks on on the on the outside chance, right? I'm curious though, how many trucks do you think Tesla will deliver in 2024? If you have thoughts, email me bodie b o d i e at 918digital.com. Now, moving on, Elon spoke on challenges. And here is where my empathy ends, right? Tesla had four years to figure this out. Now, they did have, you know, a pandemic and, uh, uh, you know, shortages of parts and chip shortages and all that stuff. I'm just saying they had four years to make a plan, only to find out it was even going to be harder than they thought it was. They built an impossible truck to build and they thought they had some of the things figured out and it sounds like they're like you know what it's it's going to be much harder than we thought and i'm kind of frustrated with elon when he's constantly saying people don't understand this people don't understand that what a lot of people don't get uh you know that is a really arrogant way to talk i think rather than pointing out what elon thinks that people don't understand because there's a large swath of people who do understand this stuff, rather than pointing that out, it's better to educate and say, here are the challenges that we thought we were going to see. Here are the challenges that we actually saw. Here's how we overcame some of these challenges. And here's what we're working on at the moment. Constantly saying, well, people just don't understand this. People don't understand that. He's going to say that a lot in this earnings call. And it's getting old on me anyway, it's getting old. Um, I actually did not immediately record an episode, this episode after the earnings call, because I was like, you know what, if I record this right now, it's going to be really negative. And, uh, and I feel like I'm falling into that a little bit, but I did, I gave it a couple of days on purpose. You know, uh, Elon's talked about, you know, he doesn't, people don't understand production is hard. Prototypes are easy. People don't understand that autonomous driving is hard. Uh, people don't understand that, you know, people don't understand Squishmallows. I don't understand Squishmallows. My point is, is that Elon will be talking about something and he'll color it with this, you know, rainbows and unicorn and tulip world about, you know, what Tesla's doing and how close they are to full self-driving, you know, how much they've got 
4680 battery cells figured out, how much they've got the Cybertruck prediction figured out. And he'll say this, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. This is going to be hard. But he puts such a rosy spin on it when it's not and people push back on this, then his answer back is people don't understand. And in reality, you should be like, yeah, we're three years late on this truck. We apologize. Let me give you some answers. I don't know. I'm not going to belabor this, but it's really irritating. Uh, the people don't understand messaging that he's putting out there. You know, pick a message uh, from a Tesla standpoint, not from an Elon standpoint, and stick with it. Update it when it needs to be updated. But, you know, pick a direction and go that way. And then don't get on Twitter and, you know, tweet three words. Cybertruck is going to be amazing or whatever. Cybertruck might be one word. It is amazing. Yeah, three words. There we go. Uh, don't don't just do stuff like that because all you're doing is you're you're propping up that hype hype cycle. But then when you don't fulfill your promises, you look like a dope. So it's just I don't know. It's really really irritating to me. Uh, Elon did mention no volume production on Cybertruck and new no profitability until 2025. You know we're in uh, October 20th today. In uh, 40-ish days, we're going to get a delivery event for Cybertruck. We still don't know specs. We still don't know pricing. It's, it goes without saying that the Cybertruck is going to be so hard to build that Tesla's going to lose money on every single Cybertruck. It's just a matter of how much until they can you know, figure out production and then hit volume production. But yeah, man, it's a mess. It's a mess. And um, I think Elon's right to be somber, but it's his fault. Like he picked a hard vehicle to produce. It's probably going to be fantastic, but he picked a hard vehicle to produce. And then when four years after the announcement and three years or two years after it was supposed to be out, he doesn't, you know, um, you know, it's not that he's not closer to releasing it than he was in 2009, but he's the Tesla's behind and people want answers and people are frustrated. People are still going to buy the truck. Maybe not everybody, but people are still going to buy the truck, but they want answers. And this isn't he's not giving answers. He's putting the problem back on the people who don't understand these things. And it's really his problem and Tesla's problem. They're the ones they're the ones that don't understand that. People were promised a truck and they're waiting patiently and they're giving them no information, no updates other than Elon's piffy little pithy little posts on X that um, all they do is generate hype. They don't they don't answer questions. They're just vague, vague hype. It's, it's like empty calories. All right, let's move on to Tesla's new chief financial officer, Vyabhav Tanasia. A vehicle deliveries in Q3 outpaced production, and we had yet another record quarter of profitability in our energy business. Congratulations to the Tesla team for their continued focus on operational excellence as we navigate through a period of economic uncertainty, higher interest rates, and shifting consumer sentiment. As Elon mentioned, our Q3 operational and uh, and financial performance was impacted by planned downturns for our factory upgrades. This was necessary to allow for further factory improvements and production rate increases, 
Despite such factory shutdowns, our cost per vehicle decreased to approximately 37,500. We saw sequential decreases in material cost and freight. Reducing the cost of our vehicles is our top priority. On the operating expenses front, R&D expenses continue to rise to cyber, due to Cybertruck prototype builds and pilot production testing, combined with spend on AI technologies like full self-driving, Optimus, and Dojo. We have and will continue to make investments in these areas, and hence our capital expenditure and R&D will continue to grow in the near term. However, our focus is to continue making investments through positive cash flow from operations. This year itself, we have generated operating cash flows of approximately 8.9 billion and free cash flows of approximately 2.3 billion. Our other businesses are becoming more prominent on a standalone basis, with energy business leading the charge primarily from the growth in megabyte deployments. Our services and other businesses on a year-on-year -year basis also continue to show positive momentum as we benefit from our growing fleet. As regards our pricing strategy, in addition to what we have shared before, I want to elaborate that most car buying happens with one or other form of financing. And hence, we also view pricing in terms of monthly costs for the customer. And therefore, as interest costs in the US have risen substantially, it has required us to adjust the price of our vehicles to keep the monthly cost in parity. We've tried to offset such adjustments via focus on reducing costs. However, there is an inherent lag in cost reductions, which in turn impacts margins. To that extent, we recently announced a partner vehicle leasing program in the US, whereby you can get a standard range Model Y for as low as $399 a month. In conclusion, as we navigate through a challenging economic environment, we're focused on reducing costs, maximizing delivery volumes, and continuing making investments in the future, in particular, AI and other next-generation platforms. We believe this strategy positions us well for the long term. Once again, I would like to thank the Tesla team for their efforts in the last quarter. All right. I don't have a lot to add to this. Um, I do want to highlight that the average cost, the average build cost for Tesla for each car is approximately 37500 so that's the average, right? Like the Model Y obviously is going to cost more. The Model 3 is probably going to cost less than that, obviously, because it's averaged out. I don't need to explain how averages work to you folks. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is he mentioned monthly payments and lowering the price of the car to meet people's monthly payments needs. This is something that Elon hits on a lot. So... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna belabor it here because honestly I I spoke way too long after Elon's opening remarks. I'm just I'm just giving you that heads up. All right, let's jump into our first investor question. Can you provide a progress update on the 4680 cell, particularly progress towards performance improvements and cost savings outline on battery day? Thank you. Uh, sure thing, Martin. <clears throat> um, 4680 cell production in Texas increased 40% quarter over quarter. Uh, congrats to the Texas team for producing their 20 million cell off of line one. Uh, Texas is now our primary 4680 facility. Um, we're heavily focused on quality. Scrap is down 40% quarter over quarter. Uh, with the increased volume and yield improvements, cell costs consistently improved month over month within the quarter, although we have a lot more work to do to achieve our steady state goals. And that is our priority. Um, the Cybertruck cell with 10% higher energy than our Model Y cell 
started production on line two in Texas. Uh, this quarter, we convert to building 100% Cybertruck cells to simplify and focus the factory as we ramp all four lines in phase one over the next three quarters. Phase two of the Texas 4680 facility is currently under construction. The additional four lines incorporate further capital efficiencies over phase one, and our target is for them to start producing in late 2024. Uh, lastly, in Cato, uh, we're retooling uh, to enable large-scale pallet runs of our next-generation cell designs. Cato's long-term goal is to be the launch pad for new cells, one generation ahead of our mass production facilities, enabling faster iteration and smoother ramp-ups of new designs. So it sounds like the 4680 cell is progressing nicely. Um, not a great update, but that's the one we got. A couple of things that I did not include in this is how many Cybertrucks do you anticipate in 2024? Short answer is they don't know, and they didn't give us um, any sort of color on that, if I could take a term from the analysts. Elon did say that maybe they'd be able to hit 250,000 in 2025, which kind of seems like a, wee, a, a little bit of a, a leap, but that's only 4,800 Cybertrucks per week. So if they can figure out how to, you know, produce these things, that's, that's 4,800 is, isn't a lot. Um, let's see here. Giga Mexico is progressing slowly because Elon is worried about the economy and macroeconomics. He mentions that quite a bit. There's a lot of macroeconomic talk. Elon's also very concerned about the high interest rates, which you heard the CFO talk about. And, you know, people won't be able to afford cars because the interest rates are too high, which is interesting because for reference, right, in January 2023, my car uh, that I own right now would have cost me $65,995, according to Ars Technica. So in January of 2023, that car was $66,000. I bought that car in April, just a few short months later, for $48,000. So, you know, uh, they're saying they're bringing the prices down of their vehicles so that people can afford the monthly payment. I literally during the show, I'm going to do a little bit of math that doesn't quite add up as far as I'm concerned. So um, I, there's a lot of really smart people who listen to this show. So check my math. Let's go ahead and move on to our next question. When do you expect Model 3 Highland to be available in the U.S.? Um, I just wanted to address that, unfortunately, we don't answer product-related questions and timings on earnings calls. Except they do talk about product-related uh, things. They just talked about the Cybertruck. They just talked about, uh, you know, RoboTaxi, or they're going to be talking about it soon. Maybe I'm getting confused where the, I am in my timeline right now. But they talk about all this stuff. They talk about full self-driving. They talk about the 4680 cells. There's no difference between that and the Model 3 Highland. Now, I can understand if you were like, let's talk about the new affordable Tesla that has not been unveiled yet. I can understand that. They're like, nah, we're not going to talk about that. But you've literally unveiled this car in Europe. It's in China, I believe, now. Um it's a it's a legit thing to say it's a legit question is when is the highland going to come to the u.s if you don't want to answer it just don't answer it if, you, if you're like well we don't talk about products and timing on earnings calls yes you do you absolutely do don't lie uh right i am failing and not getting upset so it looks like our next question is about robotaxi so let's just go ahead and uh listen to that 
do you have an approximate timeline in mind for the robotaxi, driven or non-driven? What excites you most about how this project is progressing? Well, the robotaxi is like necessarily non-driven. <laughs> um, the uh, I, I guess I'm I'm very excited about our progress with autonomy. Um, the end-to-end -end nothing but nets uh, self-driving software is amazing. Um, I, I drives me all around Austin with no interventions. Um, so you know, this is clearly the, the right move. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's, I know it's, it's really, really pretty amazing. Um, and obviously that same software and approach will enable Optimus to do useful things. Uh, and, and enable Optimus to, to learn how to do things simply by looking. Um, so, you know, extremely exciting in the long term. Um, as, I've, as I've mentioned before, you know, given that uh, economic output is number of people times productivity, you no longer have a constraint on on people. Effectively, you've got a humanoid robot that can do as much as you'd like. Your 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 economy is quasi infinite, or you know, infinite for all intents and purposes. Um, so, and I don't think anyone's going to do it better than Tesla, not by a long shot. Yeah, Boston Dynamics is impressive, but their robot lacks a brain. Sort of like the you know, Wizard of Oz or whatever. It's immense. <laughs> yeah, lacks a brain. Um, and, and then uh, you also need to be able to design the humanoid robot in a w such a way that it can be mass manufactured. Um, and then at some point, the robots will manufacture the robots. Uh, now, obviously, we need to be, make sure that there's a good place for humans in that future, and we do not create some variant of the Terminator outcome. Um, so we're going to put a lot of effort into localized control of the humanoid robot. So you, you know, basically anyone will be able to shut it off locally, um, and you can't change that uh, even if you, with like a software update, you can't change that. It has to be hard coded. All right. So the beginning of this answer is awful. Like it's a good question. I I don't know what they expected for an answer, but the beginning was awful. Like Elon did not have a, a, a direction he was going, so he pivoted to Optimus. And you know, that's fine. The really where they're at right now is, you know, they're trying to get FSD up and going. And in order for RoboTaxi to work, FSD has to be reliable and, you know, fully functioning. Otherwise, RoboTaxi doesn't work. Um, that's not to say RoboTaxi needs or FSD needs to be 100% perfect. That would be, uh, you know, a ridiculous expectation. It just means it has to be able to operate without anybody in the car and without Tesla, you know, playing with the video to to make it look like 
the cars driving on its own, which they did not that long ago when it really wasn't, but um, a couple years ago. But I don't have high hopes that RoboTaxi is around the corner. Um, you know, Elon, remember when I mentioned this, you know, Elon says people don't understand how hard it is to do something. It's comments like this where he's setting those expectations for optimists, like the robots are going to build the robots and, you know, the, this this ramp is going to be, um, you know, once we get this figured out, they will steadily march. And, and it's not it's not the case. We're going to have lots of stumbles. And you can hear his you can hear his whole demeanor pick up when he shifts to RoboTaxi or when he shifts from RoboTaxi to Optimus. But his his demeanor on Optimus, he doesn't have anything to say there. And maybe he doesn't want to say anything. I don't know. On the Optimus, you know, side of things, I don't want there to be a Terminator. So I'm really glad that they're going to have a hardware shutoff switch uh, built in. That is that is something that you can, you know, if it goes crazy, you can just shut it off. Here's the thing. Uh, robots don't feel pain. And if they decide to get violent, how many people is it going to take to tackle that robot so that you can turn off the switch? Like, is it going to be on the Achilles heel? Where's the switch going to be? How, how easy is it going to be to touch? Is it going to be on the forehead? How are we going to do that? Um, it can't be can't be hidden because if the robots decide to get violent, uh, and I don't think this is going to happen. I'm just being, you know, uh, sarcastic but if the robots are going to get violent uh the 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 off button or the easy button here needs to be real easy to find all right let's move on to our next question why was the price dropped on fsd if it is getting better and robot taxi is expected so soon well we just wanted to make it more affordable uh some offer will try it uh I think over time, the price of FSD will increase proportionate to its value. Uh, so I'd regard the current price as a kind of a temporary low. All right, I have thoughts about this. First of all, you reduced the price of FSD because people weren't buying it. The FSD take rate was low. Like if the FSD take rate was super high, people are trying it but they're not trying it, so you had to reduce the price. And right now, this is not a temporary low. This price, $12,000, is still very high. It's too high. Like, I think I've said this in the past, but $5,000 is probably where I would be comfortable spending money on FSD. $7,000 would be a stretch, but anything over that is ridiculous. And I wouldn't pay $2,000 for enhanced autopilot. That's something that other cars come with standard. There's a lot that's in it, in it, not everything. There's a lot in enhanced autopilot that comes standard in some of these newer cars. And, you know, they're holding on to the their, their holy grail, which is FSD. Unfortunately, you know, uh, these other car companies are catching up. All right, let's move on to our next question. Oh, by the way, before we get to the next question, if you noticed in the FSD pricing question there was a long pause between when martin asked asked the question and elon answered that was not an editing mistake on my uh, part that was a very deliberate um i left that in deliberately because normally i'll shorten this stuff down because there's you know i don't want you to have to wait 
long periods of time for dead air. But that just goes kind of goes to show how Elon was answering these questions. Like there's lots of long pauses. There's lots of word he you know just kind of fades off into to rants and there's lots of questions where um he just he, he says words but they don't seem to make a lot of sense to me so all right now let's get to that other question because i'm doing what elon does and i'm really good at that i'm really good at going off topic let's get to that question uh the next question is again on fsd uh, Mercedes is accepting legal liability for when its level three autonomous driving system drive pilot is active. Is Tesla planning to accept legal liability for FSD? And if so, when? Well, there's a lot of people that assume we, we have legal liability, <laughs> judging by the lawsuits. Uh, we're certainly not being let that off the hook on that front, whether we like would like to or, or wouldn't like to. So. I mean, I think it's important to remember for everyone that Mercedes' system is limited to a few roads in Nevada and some certain cities in California. It doesn't work in the snow or the fog. It must have a lead car, marked planes, only 40 miles per hour. Our system is meant to be holistic and drive in any conditions, so we obviously have a much more capable approach, but um, you know, with, with those kind of limitations, it's really not very useful. You know, I, I think so, some people understand the profundity of the Tesla AI system, most very, very, very few. Um, it's, it's basically baby AGI. It has to understand reality in order to drive. Baby, baby AGI. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
again, they did not answer the question here. They completely ignored the question and and uh, poo-pooed Mercedes level three driving. Like Mercedes is choosing to test their level three cars, how they decide to test their level three cars. That is up to them and whatever government whole regulatory board oversees that in, in that certain state here in the United States. Um, for Tesla to be like, well, it's only on two roads in Nevada and one road in LA or whatever it is, and not really a, um, you know, it's not very vast. It doesn't work in snow, all that other stuff. That doesn't matter. Like the question was, will Tesla take legal responsibility if a car gets into an accident while using full self-driving? And if you have confidence in your platform, if you have confidence in your software, in your hardware, then the answer to that is yes or no. Yes, because we have confidence in it. No, because uh, people might, you know, not use it in the way that, that it's agreed to or whatever. I mean, that, that there's, a, there's a myriad of answers there. But all they did was dump all over Mercedes what they're offering. And then Elon gets some random nonsense about um, Tesla's AI. And I, again, it's just like, I don't have a problem with Elon. don't have a problem with Tesla. But you were asked a question from an investor. Answer the question, yes or no. Like, they didn't, they, they're, they're in nowhere in there did they address it. Elon mentioned that they're being sued. So it's like they're doing, they're holding, you know, it's like they're taking legal responsibility for it, but they're not. Like they're not. What you literally, uh, if you build a product and someone gets hurt or killed, which is two of these lawsuits that were the most recent high profile FSD lawsuits. If someone dies using your product, there's a high likelihood that you're going to get sued. Doesn't matter if it's GM, Ford, Stellantis, whoever. Like it's not like any it's not like these companies have not been sued before over uh, some sort of wrongful death uh, uh claim. I, I don't know. The answer is yes or no. And then you can tell me why after that. The answer is not to uh, dump all over your competition and then tell us how great your AI is. Because if it was great, you'd be like, yeah, we're going to stand behind this legally as long as everybody's following the rules that were set down. But you didn't. You just crapped all over Mercedes. All right, let's go ahead and get to analyst questions. The first one is about the next gen platform. It sounds like um, you don't think the truck will ramp to significant volume until its third year of production. Should we have a similar anticipation for the ramp of the next gen platform? Or is there any reason that we should be maybe more optimistic or pessimistic about the uh, ramp profile there? Thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, to be clear, it's, it's it's not really the third year of production. It's kind of like the 18th month of production is roughly uh, my guess. So it's just that they happen to it'll happen is that the it starts this year, spans next year, and gets to 2025. So technically, there are three calendar years in there, but there's actually only 18 18 months, not three years. I would be very disappointed if it took us, and that that would 
that would be shocking if it took us three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but eight, 18 months from initial deliveries um, to have to reach volume and, and reach prosperity with an immense, I, I can't tell you how much the blood, sweat, and tears level required to achieve that is just staggering. I've been through it many times. And then here we go again. Um, you know, um, Similar path for the next-gen platform? I mean, there's like unique complexity to Cybertruck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cybertruck is... Uh, yeah, I mean, we dug our own grave with Cyber, Cybertruck. You know, nobody... And generally, I probably, nobody digs a grave better than themselves. And so, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, it, it is... It is um, you know, Cybertruck is one of those, one of those special pro- products that comes along... Only once in a long while, um, and and special products that come along once in a long while are just incredibly difficult to bring to market, to reach volume, to to be prosperous. Um, it's it's fundamental to the nature of the the newness. Um, so now the sort of high volume, low cost, uh, smaller vehicle is. Actually, much more conventional. Uh, it's yeah, in terms of like the technologies we're putting into it, we didn't have to invent how to bend full hard stainless steel or have mega nine thousand ton castings or the largest hot stamping in the world or new yeah high voltage low voltage architectures. It's 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 learning from everything we've done. So it, we hope it will ramp faster than the, the you know the technology. Uh, we also went through like a ruthless simplification exercise. Yeah, we did. So. There's significantly less parts and. Yeah, you're only as fast as the slowest part. If you have left, less of those, that means you could probably be faster. Yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, that said, it's you know, it's still still pretty revolutionary in how we're going to build it. It is. Um, yes, it's it's a the manufacturing approach for the, the high volume small vehicle is. Uh, Revolutionary, um, not revolutionary quite in the same way as the Cybertruck. I, I, I think it will be quite a fast ramp. Um, so, it, as Lars was saying, we're, we're doing everything possible to simplify that vehicle in order to achieve a um, units per minute level that uh, is unheard of in the auto industry. Yeah, I mean, the simplification makes it easier to automate. It also makes it lower cost. Yeah, like it's the, the intrinsically lower cost. Yeah. Let's be clear: is it'll be cool, but it's it's utilitarian. Um, it's not meant to be, you know, fill you with, you know, oh and magic. It's uh, it can get you from A to B, and it'll be still beautiful, but. It's a, it's utilitarian. It's, it's a utility. Doesn't have 14 inches of travel on its suspension. <laughs> yeah, as an example. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the Cybertruck has a lot of bells and whistles. I actually thought this was a good answer. Like they talked about some of the the challenges with Cybertruck and why they won't necessarily see those same challenges with the next generation platform. 
which I think is great. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that has to fall in line to make that true, and hopefully it does. I do think they're being overly optimistic about it, but, you know, they they outlined, you know, the challenges. They outlined what they're doing to not repeat those challenges with, like, the next generation platform versus the Cybertruck, because the question is framed to kind of compare the two or whatever. Um, so... I think this is overly optimistic. We'll see what happens when they start production. One of the things that I want to talk about here, and I'm going to defend Elon as much as a podcaster who earns his living as a public servant can defend a billionaire, right? Uh, Elon said that they had dug their own grave with a cyber truck. Now, this is being bandied about in the media as Elon admitting that the cyber truck was a mistake. This is not what that was. You heard the context. I left it in. They were laughing. You know, it was. It's kind of like fatalistic humor. So the, the this is not. I did not interpret this as, oh, we dug our own grave. Now Tesla's going to fail, or the Cybertruck's going to fail. None of that stuff. It was just. It was just a funny, offhanded comment, and not something that. I, this is just being taken out of context. So let's move on to our next question, which I won't I won't prep you for. I'll just let you listen to it because I have a rant coming up. It's going to shock you. So let's go ahead and listen to that. As a follow up, uh, obviously, price is also a driver of demand, but it, that's obviously not happening in a vacuum. Um, and you, you mentioned that um, I think you mentioned it at some point during this call that you're also maybe hitting the law of large numbers on some of your products. Can you just share how you're thinking about price elasticity just at this point and in this macro environment um, and any thoughts along those lines? I think that there's very significant price elasticity. Um, I mean, to be totally frank, if our car costs the same as a RAV4, nobody would buy a RAV4. Or at least they're very unlikely to. Um, um, it's worth noting that a lot of these incentives, like the you know tax credit and whatnot, um, they're, they're actually very difficult for the average person to access because they most people do not have ten grand, you know, or even seventy five hundred dollars burning a hole in their bank account. Um, a lot of, large number of people are are living paycheck to paycheck and at, with with a lot of debt. They got credit card debt, mortgage debt. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, that that's that's reality for most people. It's it's sometimes difficult for uh, people who are, you know, high income earners. You know, and I'd say high would be like someone who's earning over two hundred thousand dollars a year um, to understand what life is like for someone who is earning fifty or sixty or seventy thousand dollars a year. All right, I'm going to pause it right here. Does anybody think that a person who earns $200,000 a year is that far away as from a person who earns 50 to $60,000 a year in terms of um, is that out of touch compared to a multi-billionaire who at one point was the richest man on earth or person on earth compared to a 50 or 60 
uh, someone who makes fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year. I would say the person who makes two hundred grand a year probably interacts and and hangs out with the people who make fifty, sixty grand a year way more than Elon does. Um, and for Elon to say, well, two people who make two hundred grand a year are out of touch with the the struggles of people who make fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year is asinine, and it's irritating. There's just something about the way Elon is talking about this that's irritating. Like most people who make fifty six thousand or fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year probably aren't going to buy a new Tesla, right? There are some people in that income bracket that will save enough money to put down uh, on on so that they can afford a Tesla. They'll put save a big down payment. There's some people who will do that kind of thing. When I worked at Micron oh so many years ago, there was an employee there who really wanted a BMW. And we didn't make very much money at that time. Um, he probably made a little more than I did. But he saved his money and he bought himself a BMW 3 Series. And he was really proud of that car. But it wasn't because he just went out and bought it. He had to save his money and get it. So, like, for Elon to say that somebody at $200,000 a year is out of touch with people who uh, make fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year is uh, just just a gross misunderstanding of how people interact with each other like I'm not saying Elon doesn't interact with people who make 50 60 grand a year but he probably interacts with more people who make millions of dollars a year or several hundred thousand dollars a year than he does the fifty or sixty thousand dollar a year folks if I, if I had to guess. You know, it's just like that kind of stuff is is just irritating to me. People are going to buy the kind of car that they can afford and the kind that that they like and the kind of car that works for them. So if Tesla was uh, Model Y was priced the same as a RAV4, for instance, and somebody really liked Toyota and somebody really wanted that RAV4, they're going to buy the RAV4. They're not going to buy the Tesla. The Tesla is not some some uh, uh, talisman that you have to have. It's a car. Let's go ahead and resume Elon's answer. Oh, before we do that, I should say he's talking about tax credits. He's in the middle of talking about how the $7,500 tax credit doesn't work for people in this in the 50 to 60 income bracket because they don't have five to $10,000 laying around. Well, you still get, if you finance the car 100%, you will eventually get that $7,500 tax credit if you're in that income bracket. So I don't know what he's talking about here. Yeah, you're not going to get it. You're not, that $7,500 isn't going to come straight off the car. And that sucks. I really wish when I bought my car, it would have come straight off the car. Um, that would have made my payment much cheaper. But they will eventually get their their tax credit and this is something that's nice to have and honestly not a, a necessity it's it's there to spur the adoption of election electric vehicles so let's go ahead and let elon finish up his rant so that like for, for a lot of people like these these tax credits just they, they can't they can't front 7500 dollars for you know 18 months or, or, or even six months to get for, for the tax credit and they actually don't it's okay to even have that. Then I have seventy five hundred dollars in taxes. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a, so it's really just 
the vast majority of people is how much money do they have to pay immediately and how much per month? That's it. And can stop right there. And a car is still much more expensive than a rap pole when you look at it that way. Uh, yeah, and one other thing which I'll add, you know, when, when you look at, you know, car buying in general, we're trying to get to the next set of EV adapters. And they well, use not even not an EV adapter, just next who wants a great car? Exactly. It's it's not a, you know, sometimes you get these like, you know, honestly, I'd say it's like somewhat correlates with the why doesn't everyone work from home crowd? I'm like, uh, I mean, this is like some real Marie Antoinette vibes from people that say why does everyone work from home? Like, what about all the people that have to come to the factory and, and, and fill the cars? What about all the people that have to go to, to, to the restaurant and make your food and deliver your food? It's like, what are you talking about? You, I mean, how detached from reality does the, is the work from home crowd have to be? Um, while they take advantage of all those who do, who cannot work from home. So, I mean, you have to say, like, why did I sleep in the factory? so many times because it mattered. Elon didn't have to sleep at the factory. I appreciate as a CEO that he went to the factory and he's on the line and he's trying to help solve problems. I have no idea if that was helpful for the engineers who are involved in that or not. I, I suspect that it was, but him sleeping in the factory is him, you know, building myths, you know, building a legend. It's, it's not, he could have gone and stayed the night in a hotel or his house or whatever is around the factories. He didn't need to sleep in the factory. He chose to sleep in the factory because that that's, that's, I mean, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, that's what he thought he needed to do. But if he's sleeping, he's not fixing any problems. He's sleeping. And if, if for some reason they're like, Elon, we need you. If he's at a hotel that's 10 minutes away, that's 10 minutes away. He could have slept in a, a room with a shower or a bed, a hotel with a shower and all that other stuff and had some creature comforts, but he chose not to. And him choosing not to um, had very little effect on whether or not they solved the problems or not. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 the, the, again, the thing that sets me off about this part of it I'm being honest with you, is the Marie Antoinette vibe. He, he comes full circle on people not having enough money to buy a car. Not full circle. He kind of goes off half-cocked, really, about people not having enough money to buy a car. And then there are other people out there who want to work from home and how they, dare they, because it's Marie Antoinette vibes. Like there's some people wanting to work from home or elite through my job as a firefighter, we go to people's homes all the time and they're working from home. And trust me, I do not work in elite uh, neighborhoods. Like I, I, I have a, I, my fire station is in a working class area. It is not Scottsdale. It is not Cave Creek. It is not these really ritzy areas like Gilbert, uh, not all the Gilberts like that, but it's it's a very there's a lot of humble homes here there's a lot of hardworking people here and there's still people here who work at home i don't have any idea how much they make but i suspect because they live in this area they probably don't make you know five hundred thousand dollars a year they they you know they're probably between 
you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year, the median income here around here, just as a general rule. And I, as somebody who has to go to work um, and can't work from home because being a firefighter and work from home doesn't really work out that way. It doesn't work out too well. Um, I think it's awesome that people get to work from home. And I would never say to somebody who was working from home, uh, oh, geez, look at you, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Privileged Pants. Oh, I, I have to go out and uh, actually drive myself to work every day. There are people who want to go to work and be around people um, for their job. I'm not one of those people, but I chose a profession where I have to be, so uh, I am. I'm doing it. Uh, and there are people who feel more comfortable working from home. It's not a privileged Marie Antoinette thing. This is a what works for you. Maybe you have three small children at home and it's really hard for you to go um, to work and, and uh, you know, uh, childcare is ridiculously expensive. You, you got to make ends meet. And if you can take care of your kids and work from home, maybe you work more at night because you got to take care of your kids when, during the daytime. That's, that's a thing people are doing. They're not, they're not elites. They're people trying to survive. And again, I, I'm an introvert. I would much rather work at home than come in to work um, if, I, if I had a nine to five job, but I don't. And that's okay. I just think Elon's very tone deaf here. People want to work from home for a variety of reasons. It's it's not just because they think they're better than the person who's making them lunch at the deli. It's because they have their reasons. And you know what? If that person that works at the deli was like, you know what? I really need to get a different job because of my reasons. And I think I need to work from home. There are jobs out there that will allow them to do that. Like, I don't know. He's he's very tone deaf. He gets emotional while, uh, emotional about sleeping in the factory. It's just it's it's his worldview, and if it if you fall outside of it, then you're wrong. All right, continuing on with Elon's a uh, little bit of the answer here. He's gonna jump back into the costs uh, of the cars are higher because of the interest rates. Let's go ahead and and resume so I, I just can't emphasize not how again how important cost is I, it's, it's not it's not an optional thing for most people it is a necessary thing um we have to make our cars more affordable so people can buy it and 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 i you know i keep harping on this interest thing but i mean it's just it just right raises the cost of the car i mean I, we're looking and and in an internal analysis which I know we, people, like we think is 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 more or less on track. That when you look at the cost or the price reductions we've made in, uh, say, the Model Y, um, and you compare that to how much people's monthly payment has risen due to interest rates, the price of the Model Y is almost unchanged. If you factor in the change in the interest rates. Yes, which is the, the thing, this is what I'm trying to say. The thing that matters is the monthly pay. It's 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 how much money do they have to put down, and do they literally have that in their bank account, or will the check bounce? Okay. Uh, and then, what is the monthly payment? And it doesn't matter how if that monthly payment is principal, interest, or whatever. It's just a a number, and that number has to 
not cause their bank account to go negative. Um, that's it. So, uh, you know, going, going from near zero interest rates to the current very high interest rates, uh, the actual monthly payment is basically the same. It's just a bunch more of it is going to interest. Um, and there are some, some incremental challenges beyond that, which is the difficulty of getting credit at all has increased. And so the number of people who simply cannot get credit, period. Um, even if they've got a job and everything's solid, they, you know, the, the, the banks are, you know, a little gun shy on handing out credit, um, given that a bunch of them kicked the bucket earlier this year. Um, yeah, there's also just fewer options, even if they want to hand out credit. There's fewer <laughs> banks to go there. It's like, does your bank still exist? Yeah. Well, uh, if your bank does not exist, uh, you have to establish a relationship with a new bank. Um, and, um, you know, so a lot of regional banks are, you know, died. And I mean, even Credit Suisse, I mean, geez, that's that was a shocker. You know, got a like 160 year old ish Swiss institution. Um, that doesn't exist anymore. That's mind blowing. Um, and uh, I think there's still quite a few shoes to drop on the, the bad credit situation. Uh, res I mean, commercial real estate obviously is um, in a terrible shape. Um, you know, credit card debt has been rising significantly. The credit card interest rates are usurious. Uh, I mean, 20% interest rates, meaning like, which over time is just, it becomes uh, obviously extremely punishing. Because if, if somebody's paying 20% interest on their credit cards, it means they cannot pay them off. And if you cannot pay them off and you're still accruing interest at 20%, that, you had, that, that's headed to a bad place. All right. So a lot of the stuff I actually agree with um, in terms of credit card rates are too high in terms of, you know, there are less banks, less, less likely, uh, or it's harder to get credit. You know, um, there's, there's lots of stuff that, uh, that, that he's right on there. However, like the, the, we're in a very, um, uh, or what it seems like, from my perspective, a chaotic time in in history, and it's not the most chaotic time, obviously. But there's a lot going on, and uh, lots of companies have had, you know, financial trouble, including banks through COVID and all that stuff. So yeah, people are more cautious, even um, even people who are. Uh, consumers are more cautious. I know in my circle, most of my friends are a little bit more cautious when, when they go to buy something. But I, he, Elon said that with the rise in interest rates and the um, reduction in Tesla, uh, Tesla reducing the prices of their vehicles, the payment is basically the same. So Elon's saying if it was 2% interest, and a $65,000 car, you're paying the same as you would at 6% interest and a $48,000 car, because the only thing consumers care about is the monthly payment. And I will agree that that's, that's what a lot of people 
look at when they're buying a car is can I afford this? Can I afford the monthly payment? They don't negotiate necessarily on price. They negotiate on that monthly payment. And as somebody who sold cars for about three weeks until uh, I couldn't do it because I didn't like being around dealers and car salespeople, uh, I can say that, yeah, that's a, that's that's 100% true. Uh, people tend to negotiate the monthly payment and not the price of the car. Tesla does not negotiate on the price of their cars. So that's moot. It's the payment is what the payment is, right? So I did a little math. I went to chat GPT and I did a little math. So the Model Y was $65,000 in January. You can argue that January of 2023, by the way, you can argue that it costs more to build that car, that Model Y long range in January, right? But um, Tesla was making money hand over fist. And I bought that same car for $48,000 in April. So I don't think the price of the, the Model Y long range came down that much. We were, we're talking about like a $17,000 price cut in less than two months or, um, let's see, January, two and a half months, $17,000 price cut in that time, because all of a sudden Tesla could build the char cars $17,000 cheaper. Like they were making money and they weren't apologetic about it at all when they were making money. Like so much so that I thought that prices would never come down to the level that they were when Tesla introduced these models, uh, or even close, like, like over time, they're going to get more expensive, right? But I thought they were just going to stay in the $60,000 range, because it looked like that's what Tesla was going to charge for these vehicles now, because people were willing to pay them. So I decided to test Elon's uh, interest rate uh, monthly payment hypothesis out or statement out. So I looked at the interest rate in November of 2022. We're technically in October, but November 2022 is around four something percent. I went to ChatGPT and I asked it based on a $65,000 car at the 4% interest, because I didn't actually write it down today. Oh yeah, 4% interest. Over five years, how much would that payment B. Now, no down payments, and we're not adding in taxes or anything. It's just a $65,000 car, no interest, or excuse me, uh, no, no taxes, no fees. That would be a $1,274 monthly payment, which is pretty good, right? That's a pretty good bill right there, $1,274. Now, same thing on a $48,000 Model Y long range at 7.5% interest on a five-year loan. That would be an $890 payment. I don't know about you, but if I were somebody who, you know, uh, makes my car purchases based off of the monthly payment... I would rather pay $890 over $1,274. It's almost $300 cheaper 
to uh, have a $48,000 car with a higher interest rate. And by the way, that higher interest rate, that money goes to the bank, right? That extra money goes to the bank. When Tesla was charging $65,000 on a car that had a lower interest rate, that money went to Tesla. <laughs> and, and, you know, by proxy, eventually Elon, some of it, you know? So it's not as if... Uh, there's not a hidden interest there in wanting uh, more money to go to Tesla and less money to go to the banks. Then I went to Tesla's website and um, I was like, what is Tesla offering for finance? And Tesla was offering a seven year loan. So if you go with Tesla's seven year loan, I can't remember what the interest rate was, but you put zero down, it's $780 a month. So uh, I would not, I, I personally would not do a seven-year loan, but, um, you know, it's, it's not the same. It, it, the picture that Elon is painting and Tesla is painting is not exactly this, the same. Like people haven't all of a sudden, just out of the blue, decided that they're going to look at that monthly payment and that's, that's how they're going to determine if they can afford a new car or not. That, that didn't happen out of the last quarter. That has been happening probably for as long as car financing has, uh, has been around. So I, I don't know. This isn't a new phenomenon. And for, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop. This podcast is running way too long as it is. I, I know I'm really ranty, but it, 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 this, is a, this, is a whole, I, this whole thing is really irritating to me. All right, let's move on to our next clip. You said in the commentary that you're not going full tilt on the plant in Mexico until there's signs that the economy is strong. Can you continue at a 50% CAGR without that plant? And where would that come from? And, and any color on what you mean sort of not going full tilt, could that plant get delayed indefinitely? Or what are you <laughs> kind of talking about? No, we're definitely making the, the factory uh, in Mexico. We feel very good about that. We put a lot of effort into looking at different locations and uh, we feel very good about that location. Um, and, and we are going to build a factory there um, and it's going to be great. Um, the question is really just one of timing and, uh, you know, there's going to be a broken record on the on the interest front. It's just the interest rates have to come down. Um, like like if, if, if interest rates keep rising, you just fundamentally reduce affordability. Um, it is just the same as right, increasing the price of the car. So I just don't have visibility into If you can tell me what the interest rates are, I can tell you when, you know, <laughs> when we should, we should build the factory. We're going to build it. And, um, and I mean, I think we'll, we'll, we'll start the you know, initial phases of construction next year. Um, but uh, I, I, I am still somewhat scarred by 2009. When um, if General Motors and Chrysler went bankrupt, so well that's now 14 years ago. Uh, it's that that is seared into my mind with a branding iron, because um, uh, you know Tesla was just hanging on by a thread during that entire time, and with I mean, and we closed off a, a financing round in 2008 on at 6 p.m. December 24th, Christmas Eve. And if we had not closed that financing round, we, we would have bounced payroll two days after Christmas. 
Um, so we, we we actually closed that round on the last hour of the last day that it was possible. Um, stressful to say the least. Um, and then barely made it through 2009. Um, so I'm like, I want to just, I, I don't want to be going at top speed into uncertainty. Um, a lot of wars going on in the world, obviously, as well. Um, so, um, and, and we have room here, like in Kinka, Texas. You said we're, we still have room in this building. It's yeah. not full yeah. with Cybertruck and Model Y, and you know, there's plenty of growth opportunities still to have inside the building where our team already is. We also have 2,000 acres here. Yeah, so there's also a bunch more. We're actually there. only occupying a tiny corner of the land that we own. Um, but, you know, we could, we could technically do all the scaling necessary just here. Um, so, um, I mean, personnel is our biggest challenge in, in, in that the greater Austin area only has, generously, the greater Austin area only has 2 million people. So people are moving here and they're willing to move here, but there is somewhat of a housing crisis. <laughs> so they got to live somewhere. So, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, like I just, I'm not saying things will be bad. I'm just saying they might be. And I, I think, uh, like, like Tesla is a is an incredibly capable ship, but it is. But but if you know, we need to make sure, like, as as if, if the macroeconomic conditions are stormy, you know, you, you should, even if the the best ship is still going to have tough times, the weaker ships will sink. We're not going to sink, but. Uh, you know, and, uh, even a great ship in a storm uh, has has challenges. Now that storm will apply to everyone, not just us, and not just not just the auto industry. It apply to everyone, I think. Um, so you know, apart from necessary sort of staples like food and stuff, but um, you know, so I just I don't know. Um, if, if interest rates start coming down, we will accelerate. Um, all right. Unfortunately, I, I, if anybody's got, got, got any, 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 any guesses on this, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to be less wrong. Um, and, and I apologize if I'm, if I'm perhaps more paranoid than I should be, because that might also be the case, because I, I am, I have PTSD from 2009, big time. Um, and in 2017 through 19, we're not picnic either. That was very, very tough going. So, um, you know, the, the auto industry is, is also somewhat cyclic it's because, uh, you know, people tend to hesitate to buy a new car um, in, if, if there's uncertainty in the economy. Um, so, so it's, you know, car companies do very well in good economic times and they, have don't, don't do as well in in tough economic times. Uh, so it's it's just you know. Whereas if somebody's selling bread, then I think you know that people still need to have bread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You need bread. If you need food all the time, but new car, you don't have to have bread this minute. Especially if there are wars going on, and then that impacts your sentiment. Yeah, I mean, if people are reading about wars all over the world. If this, uh, you know, buying a new car tends to not be front of mind. All right. We're going to end it here. 
some of the things that they talked about in this last clip, I agree with. Um, I think I've talked way too much at this point and uh, expressed way too much of my opinion on this episode and maybe gotten a little preachy. So despite having issues with this clip as well, I'm going to, I'm just going to leave it here because I, I feel like, you know, where I'm at. So, and I'd like to hear where you're at. So if you want, you can email me. It's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital or X until Elon hears this and boots me off the Tesla, you know, repossesses, repossesses my car and boots me off X. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, I, I actually record, I, I, I listened to this on Wednesday. I edited it on Thursday with the thought that I would record it on a Thursday. And then I was like, you know what? I am going to be way too negative. I need to let this sit for another day. So I let it sit all of Friday. It is now 1130 at night and um, I'm finishing up the recording now and I still am irritated. Uh, but again, I, I, I want to know your thoughts. So Bodie at 918digital.com and then again, 918digital on X. I hope you all have a wonderful day. I hope... I hope Elon has a wonderful day um, and a wonderful weekend. I, I wish nothing but the best for everybody out there. So I am going to end this now. Go take a shower and then post it. 